Hello, and welcome to another episode of QBT. I'm Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee. And we're two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. And today, I was telling Shawnee right before we press play that I'm feeling anxious as fuck. So, let's take a deep breath together, okay? okay. If you need this too, listener, join us. But let's just go four in and four out, in through the nose, out through the mouth. You got it? All right. Ready? beautiful um thanks listeners for sending us queer coffee table suggestions oh my gosh yes i really appreciate it um i actually went ahead and ordered a few different books what did you get soon um all right so there is queer and queer love in color by jamal jordan right that isn't it hasn't been released yet so i pre-ordered it um it gets here in may so i got like two months to wait but whatever looking forward to it it'll surprise me um and then i have dandy lion not like the flower but like dandy like uh she's a dandy yeah like she's a dandy Uh and then a lion like roar um because africa because africa okay yeah because africa it's not necessarily queer but uh it was a recommendation that ended up in my inbox so thank you um, and then we also have Black Futures by Kimberly Drew. Um, and then we also have an Alexander McQueen book. Um, I also ordered Tyler Mitchell's um, coffee table book. Oh, yeah. Which um, Tyler Mitchell, first black photographer for Vogue that uh, shot. Beyonce? Was he shot. That sound, always sounds weird when I say mm-hmm. that. Uh, who photographed Beyonce? He for shot Vogue. Beyonce. He shot Beyonce. I'm like, don't put that in the universe. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I appreciate the recommendations. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait to see what they look like. Now I need to actually buy a coffee table. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's some heavy books coming. I looked through these. There's also one by Ren Hang, but that looks really beautiful too. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, let's get started. Let's go. We're going to be talking about anxiety, the intersections between yeah. anxiety and intuition. So we can figure out if your anxiety today was, is anxiety or is it intuition? Or both. It could be both. Sometimes it is. We'll get to that. Let's get this going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. (laughs) Um, For today's sub slut question, I want to know what your dream blunt rotation is. That is an excellent question. It was making the rounds this week and I was like, perfect intro for us. Let's think of four folks. Who's your first one? Adele. Done. <laughs> That's like... Is she going to wear her bantu knots? It's not even that I prepared for this. Actually, I did prepare for this, but it's like... That has been on my mind probably since I was like 24. I'm like, I would smoke weed with Adele. And it, I would love to. So if I, I wonder ever if she's like only an edible queen now. She probably is because of, you know, the vocal cords. Yeah. And also a blunt rotation is like iffy and COVID, you know, like, but, you know, <laughs> but like, it's also a dream. Dream yeah. blunt rotation. Dream, uh, so these vaccines, which I'm eligible for. Right. <laughs> um, I think my first pick is um, Shea motherfucking Kool-Aid. I don't got no problems with that. There'd be some tea and also I just think a beautiful, wonderful time. I think my favorite yeah. thing about Shea Kool-Aid is not only is she beautiful and talented, but like everyone finds her to be incredibly nice and wonderful. <laughs> That's what I want to be one day. Who's your number two? My number two. Um, 
Okay, okay. Yeah, we were talking about this before, but this is what I said, like, unlocked. I was like, oh, yeah, like, let me think of, like, comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why my, my mind went to this person, Michael Shea from uh, from SNL, like, the writer on SNL, okay. black guy. Um, I find him funny. I find his stand-up funny. He seems like somebody that probably smokes weed. Yeah. Um, and I think we just have, like, a good old time. That's a great answer. I yeah. bet he would be really funny. Um, and have some, like, wonderful things to say about guests. And oh, my God. I feel God. like SNL people just in general have, like, really great stories. They have about. great stories. And just, like, a good take. A funny, accurate take on the reality that we live in. Yeah. Um, my next person is uh, Angela Davis. <laughs> I, I don't want to put on her that she, like, still smokes weed. But, like, I know I she used to. love it. And I just, like, I want her to tell me... Just like, just imagine smoking with her and then she just like lays out the plan for the universe and you're like, yes, Miss Davis. Yes. I think I would have a great time. And then forget it the next day. Because <laughs> that wasn't yours to have anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, third person for me. Wait, we're doing four, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, next person for me, also a white woman, Blake Lively. <laughs> I know, it's <laughs> random, but she seems like somebody that smokes weed <laughs> or has... Yeah. Um, and I don't know. There's something about, like, her being this posh sort of chic, like, star, but us also knowing that she's, like, really down to earth and, like, probably a chill person. She's, like, to me, a less annoying, realistic version of Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I find her to be, like, um... Well, actually, I don't know. I have no idea. I bet that would be fun. I feel like she also, though, could be the type of stoner that just, like, talks uninterrupted and says nothing for, like, seven minutes. But you always need one of those people in the group. That's why I get invited. They... <laughs> um, what do you think you're part of this friend group? <laughs> Oh, my God. My third person is Casey Musgraves. See, and that's somebody that I'm like, sure. She also seems like that to me. No, I think Casey gets, like, nonverbal. Okay. <laughs> I think Casey goes like she says like one thing and it's the funniest fucking thing you've heard and the whole you don't time. Hear from her at all. And then like at the end she might sing you a song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or she's like one of those people. These are my favorite kind of people in the world. The ones that like seem really quiet, but if you're like sitting right next to them, they have all the commentary in the uh-huh. world. They just say it really low Quietly. and it's fucking hilarious, yep. but you would have no idea if you weren't just like sitting or standing right next to them. Yeah. And I bet, like, at this moment, Casey would just, like, spill everything about her divorce. She got a divorce? Yeah, the the Golden Hour album, Man, is no more. So this See, next album that we have coming is going to be a breakup album. I don't know anything about this woman, but I'm intrigued now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last person for me, John Early. I love this, and he might be only an uppers person. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I bet John Early would... <laughs> greatly um, benefit from smoking a blunt <laughs> with Adele and Blake Lively and Michael Che and you obviously yeah um, no and- I just want to be a fly on the wall <laughs> watching them do this <laughs> oh okay okay um, no I think that's a great answer he's very funny I mean he could very easily like carry a conversation he might be someone though that gets like stoned off of a hit and then just like passes it but like keeps the like comedy the yes, whole time yes 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 I also envision him and Michael Che sort of getting into it but like not for real, for real. Yeah. Like about like a stupid topic. Like John Early calls him a homophobe or something. Well, that's a serious topic, but... But yeah. I mean, John Early, I think, says serious things. Yeah. But like, is not holding a lot of emotion behind them. Right. I could see them, yeah, definitely like John Early pointing out one of Michael Shea's jokes that isn't actually homophobic, but like 
making a joke about it being homophobic. Yeah. And then those two have like a fake fight. Yeah. That's actually touching on real things, but also like is funny as fuck. And they're like not actually mad at each other, if that makes sense. It does. I feel like my dream blunt rotation does not include conflict, but. Um, <laughs> but I um, love seeing a fight. Hi. I mean, I get it. I get it. Um, my last person is Rihanna, man. Because, duh. I just. I know for a fact I've had dreams about smoking with Rihanna. I just think it would be like. Wasn't there that time? It was like the first time we all were kind of like, it was confirmed that Rihanna smokes weed. And she, wasn't she just like on top of her bouncer, like on his shoulders or something at a concert? And she was just like rolling a blunt or a joint. Oh, yeah. And, and everybody Coachella. saw it, like Coachella or something. <laughs> and it was like the news story. And she was just like, yeah, like, <laughs> duh. Yeah. Very that. <laughs> like, why are y'all so surprised? So to recap, my dream blunt rotation is Angela Davis, Shea Coulee, uh, Rihanna and Casey Musgraves. And yours is? Adele, Blake Lively, Michael Shea, and John Early. Love. Send us a DM. Let us know who your dream blunt rotation is. Um, <laughs> we'll judge it. And that's it. Let's move into politics. Well, um, before we move into politics. Oh, my bad. No, no, no. You're fine. Because this this just popped up as a reminder. This is, first of all, you guys, I, passion. No. Passion is always thinking about future Sean, and we'll leave future Sean little like reminders or little things and notes that okay. pop up at the right time. Okay. I set a reminder for myself to talk about something that I heard earlier today that I knew I would forget if the reminder didn't pop up in my face while we were recording. Okay. And that just happened. <laughs> so now I want to talk about the thing. Okay. I was walking blue earlier, and you know how like you just overhear things, people, whatever, talking, and sometimes you catch the tail end of something. Sure, ghosts. I caught, yeah, I, I caught the tail end of a conversation walking blue, and it was like, uh, but all fems would be best friends if that was the case. And I was like, oh, I don't, I want to know what how that sentence started or what the case is. But it was these two guys, two cisgendered men on a porch, like talking very casually. I'll just leave but it at all that. all fems would be best friends if that were the case. It's the new and they were roommates. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. That vine? And they With were... that woman and she's like upset about something? No. And she's like, and they were roommates. <laughs> and then the guy like turns the camera and he says, roommates. <laughs> You're like well of... Internet knowledge is unsurpassed. My pit of despair. Sure. Um, I, anyways, it's just an interesting thing I heard, and I was like, I want to bring this to the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm immediately going to like nine different places. <laughs> uh, my first place, and I think my gut reaction is that fuck those men. I don't know what they said, but <laughs> I don't I, agree. <laughs> I took offense to it just like as soon as I walked by and heard that I wanted to turn around and scream at them, and I was yeah. like, I don't even know what I would scream about other than you're not allowed to use the word them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, um, but. What did Blue think? Oh, he didn't give a shit. Sure. He's pretty masked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I can't even hear the word I don't even fem. know what the word fem is. I'm going to take a shit. No. Okay, that's it. Let's And what, and what about fems? And what about it? Um, <laughs> okay, honestly, just like very briefly, I just like can't believe Kristen Cinema's like downward thumb down vote looking like a cheerleader at an away <laughs> game. Like I fully, I mean, also mentioned also is involved with the saying, no, we have like two blockers of this bill. But I agree with Miss, um, you know, Representative Rashida Tlaib saying like, no one should ever be this happy to vote against uplifting people out of poverty. Yeah, yeah. Um, But 
Mainly for politics, I just want to leave us with this uh, TikTok from Cam Tarvin at Cam Tunchi on TikTok. Let's let's let her Hello. tell some truth. Can I speak to whoever over my stimulus check? Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I feel kind of broke doing this, but I haven't been able to sleep since they dropped. Well, I know I don't have kids, but... I was expecting to run those two bands down my arm. You know, like the guys. You know what? I'm okay with the 600. Y'all could just send me the rest later. I don't usually do this, but I need that money. You said I'm getting mine by check. Word? Well, how long does that normally take? One to three months. Well, I can't wait that long. I'm on the way to get my shit now. Um, I'm obsessed with that. Kiana sent that to us. Tonight. A hero. I love her. <laughs> I'm on my check to get right now. I'm on the way to get it right now. Um, what are you listening to this week? Bust up on me. Thank you so much. I know. I know. You're welcome. Um, I listened to it twice and <laughs> enjoyed the fuck out of it. And until you just said that, had no idea how to pronounce it. I was like, bus of fame? What? That's literally <laughs> same. Bussy fame. So I feel like, I don't know if I've talked about Don Richard on this podcast before. I feel like I've brought her up amongst friends and people are like, who the fuck is that? And know. I'm like, Don from Danity Kane. But, oh, right. That's who that is? Yeah, there's two black girls from Danity Kane. There were, there were two black girls in Danity Kane. Did one die? No. One of them just doesn't make music anymore, I don't think. Okay. Or just doesn't have the same level of popularity as Don does. Okay. Uh, but when she, when she was on Danny Kane, I think everybody just called her Don. And then when she figured out her solo career, which Don Richard. been going for like the last few years, she like added the Richard at the end, which is spelled Richard. So most people call her Don Richard. And she's oh, like, I was corrects being funny. Them. It's not Richard? No. She'll correct them and say it's Richard. So, okay. That's the story of Don Richard. The Bus of Fami song is good, though. It's a it's very good, good song. It's a very good song. I saw it when it, like, I saw that it came out. And same as you was just like, but Bussy fame? And I thought, I know Donna's out here singing about bussies. And I said, I mean, I'm okay with it if she is, but like, okay. <laughs> Listened to it and then was like, still didn't know what was going on. And then it dawned on me that, like, oh, like, bust it for me, like, Bus of Fami. Right, right, right. right. Anyways, great song. I love it. It's been sort of on repeat for me all week. I actually discovered it on, like, Tuesday. Cool. It was like, I have to put this, like, as something to talk about on Sunday. And I can't add it to the Spotify playlist just yet because we haven't talked about it. And I don't want y'all looking at me like, what is this song? It'll be there now. It'll be there now. Go on over to Spotify. It's linked in the show notes. Yeah, um, I love it. St. Vincent also came out with a new song. She did. Um, I find the song... To be honest, I don't think I have an opinion of it yet. I've only listened to it once. And then I sort of half watched the video. Um, I think it works much better as like a kind of sound and visual scape. But I am mm. very excited for the new album. Like whether or not this single yeah. is like it for me. Yeah. I'm excited when I hear her voice and the kind of storytelling that's like disjointed horns. Like it's cool. I'm into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. We like listened to her on our trip to Idaho or yeah. back. And that, that was from that the last first album. album is like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, but it was from the second album. You're right. I love that album too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a fan. I'm okay. a fan of hers as well. I'm excited yeah. to see what happens. I agree. I feel like I listened to it and was like, eh, well, sure. Uh, I think it worked better as a video. I remember it. Like I should watch the video. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, and then we have Bruno Mars is back. I don't know if anybody was looking for him, but he came back with Anderson Pock, who I, I appreciate don't know. Anderson. I don't know. Anderson might be getting on my nerves. Okay. <laughs> I'm much more 
emotionally charged by Bruno Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm just like, um, he and there was a lot real. of discourse this week about. I think this new song, leave the, it's called oh. "Leave the Door Open." Okay, um, and I think that appropriation question slash debate came about again because Bruno Mars released this music. It sounds very sort of like. Uh, Shit, I don't want. I want to say Marvin Gaye, but it's not Marvin Gaye. It sounds like a black soul like artist. Okay, and it's one of those things where like we all know this. Bruno Mars like jumps around in terms of the decades that he that he sort of like makes music about or for or whatever like uh, refers to. Yeah, and not just like different decades, but it's usually like black music. But that's also not different from what a lot of other artists do. Justin Timberlake. Exactly. Um, and maybe this is just a situation where people are trying to nip it in the bud now so that we don't have to wait. 10 years for this to become a conversation it's like well, he's not black at all now. he's not okay Bruno Mars is he's a native Hawaiian yes well I don't know if he's in well he was born in Hawaii oh I don't want to speak on his ethnicity because I don't know I don't know either but I, I know that he's from Hawaii born I think he was born in Hawaii but he's definitely not black okay what I know about him <laughs> is that he's short short and annoys the fuck short. out of me he's short <laughs> shorty um <laughs> Uh, I listened to the song and found it like fine, but I also am just like his voice, just like it. it it's not his fault, I guess, that Uptown Funk like ruined my life. It ruined everybody's life. But like, he also ruined the Super Bowl performance. He like jumped in there. Like I was there for Beyonce, and then we got Bruno Mars. Oh, like, yeah, I, I know some people happened. really, really like people. Fuck with love Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, and I'm just like this music is for straight people. You hit the nail right on the head. I don't understand it. I was like, I feel like the only people that I've ever run into that are like, will like die over Bruno Mars, will like die on that hill to like debate me about it are usually straight people and usually yeah. straight white people. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, good for them. I'd like not trying to take anything away from him. Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I've listened. I think I have listened to every single Bruno Mars album that has come out. I will say that. I thought you are brave. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I, I think that first album, I was a Bruno Mars like fan. I was like, all right, like I'm into this guy, like he, his music's cool. And then as he started to take off, I it was like, okay, we're doing that thing. Yeah. We're like, it feels very gimmicky. Like you don't, it feels like the music you make is not current. It always sounds like it was somebody else's song, even though it is his song. And also, yeah. it always sounds like this should be somebody black singing this, yeah. and it's not. Yeah. But anyways, that song came out, and I feel the same way about that as well. It's a song. It's a song. And it's a show, WandaVision. How you feeling? <gasps> Yo. I just... Skip ahead if you haven't seen it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, spoiler but... alert. I'm about to just go ahead and tell y'all about the series finale, because it's not a season finale. Yeah. Um. Oh, right. Yeah. It was good. I, I mean, I have my notes. I do think they did the thing where, like, oh, wait, this is the last episode. We got to tie all this up, like, right now. Yeah. Um... So there were some things that I was like, uh, I wish this had played out a little bit more. Um, specifically her and <clears throat> Catherine Hahn's character. I'm just like, this battle happened a little too quickly. Like, I do think y'all glossed over a couple of things to just, like, get to this point. I definitely think Catherine Hahn is going to show up again in, like, the Marvel Universe in multiple different ways. Yeah. Um, in the comics, I believe um, Agatha Harkness is, like, the Scarlet Witch's, like, mentor. mentor or they yeah. have this sort of relationship where, like, the frenemies, but, like, she teaches her how to do things anyways, which I, like, this definitely wasn't that. Well, they kind of played on this frenemy, like, thing, but it's because it's Catherine Hahn and she's just And they funny. also kind of played on the education part of, yeah. like, you taught me how to cast this thing. Yeah. Um, the, uh... 
The runes. The runes. Um, I... Well, keep going. What else do you oh, think? Oh, and I mean, if there is anything that Marvel has done super duper duper well in terms of like relationship building like wanda and the visions relationship truly like pulled on my heartstrings and it has like in every movie i've been like damn like i don't like i'm really invested in y'all as a couple which is i didn't even know that until i was watching this show Uh, that's beautiful yeah all i can think about is that wanda is so broken she falls in love with the robot okay and I just like I'm, I'm that's like, one take <laughs> I, I am not moved by the emotional aspect of their relationship specifically okay I'm moved by her emotionality of what she literally projects onto this AI yeah you know what I mean but oh yeah and I love I mean I just love the mental sort of I love the psychology behind the show yeah. and I mean it's a, the show which I knew I think from episode one but didn't want to like spoil it for people because some of this is in the comics um the, sh- the show is a show about grief and about like mm-hmm. how we deal with grief and you yeah. deal with it in all kinds of ways and this is literally a like demonstration of somebody Sometimes you like, detach and create your own reality of somebody <laughs> detaching and building their own reality yeah. and then somebody pulling them back like hey you know you have to like re-enter the real world at right. some point right and sort of everything that or we come do- to terms with who you've harmed by not being in touch with reality <laughs> exactly yeah and I don't know. It's a really fun superhero way of like uh, illustrating that. Yeah. But, you know, I think we all have dealt with grief, whether it's a relationship, whether it's somebody passing away and dying, yeah. you know, whether it's yourself and like saying goodbye to a certain version of yourself. We've all dealt with this sort of tug and pull of wanting to keep that thing around, but also knowing that you have to move forward. Yeah. Uh, that aspect of the show, I adore. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really, really love the way that is exploring and using um, trauma and memory and uh, feeling something in your body, intuition a little bit, like Mm -hmm. all these things I really adore. Um, The transformation at the end of the last episode, the the flashback episode Mm -hmm. where she like is flying in the air and has the kids and then like into the new episode... It feels a little like Halloween Town 3 WandaVision for me. Like, <laughs> okay, I, like I, I get that. Like, her yeah. costuming, I'm like, what in the Disney Channel original movie is this? But yeah. um, that's maybe not... That's like... That, again, is my problem with the tone of Disney and Marvel. It's like... It can't be too dark and scary. No. It, it, and, and, and that... Because to me, the coolest part was when it, like, flashed back to the witch's thing. Yeah. And she thinks that she's going to show her what she's done and then all of a sudden the witches are like you're the scarlet fucking witch bitch and i just i would love to see one superhero storyline about a powerful woman that is not about the apocalypse like every time a woman is so powerful she is in danger of blowing the world up and causing the apocalypse whereas like other men are able to be the most powerful coolest like whatever thing and have control if a woman is experiencing it the phoenix that girl from umbrella academy wanda like three examples of this i that to me is a little i wish that wasn't the thing that was necessary in getting her to recognize is that you're gonna you're the scarlet witch you're gonna cause the end of the world yeah it's also like always a witch well yeah which like that there's a reason you know wonder woman didn't almost end the world yeah she just sucked 
Yeah. In the movies, in the movies, please don't come for our throats. Um, no, um, I like Fuck the finale. Woman. I think that it's set up. I mean, as all Marvel anythings ever do, it's set up a lot for like, oh, okay. I am now. My interest is very peaked in what this sort of phase. I don't know what fucking phase we're in anymore when it comes to Marvel. Whatever current phase we're in with them, yeah. I'm like, all right, where are we actually going with this? Because like now, I see all the Easter eggs you've dropped, and I see the sort of storyline you're trying to build out. But mm-hmm. then there's all these other elements with like magic involved that I'm like, we got aliens. We got magic. Yeah. We got Earth. Yeah. Like, what's about to happen next? Yeah. Um, I am excited, but I am happy that they are starting to lean more into magic because that is such a big part of the Marvel Universe that they haven't explored. Yeah. It makes the cop and military propaganda a little bit more palatable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Scarlet Witch, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange? Doctor yeah. Strange. Yeah. I wanted to say Mr. Strange. Sorry. I just... <laughs> that was a stroke. <laughs> Um, I wow, like Dr. You just Strange. Witnessed my life. I, I like Dr. Strange too. <laughs> Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange. <laughs> I wanted to call him Mr. Strange. And that was me out loud convincing myself that that is not what that man's name is. Dr. Strange. Mr. Strange's neighborhood. He has Do- puppets of WandaVision. Oh my God. <laughs> Dr. Strange, the sequel, is coming out soon or is coming out. They're filming. I don't know. They're doing something with it. And it's also going to lean into a lot. Oh, I think he's going to be really important to this next Spider-Man movie coming out. So I think there's going to be a lot of magic, a lot of like multi-universes, a lot of reality bending, which is exciting to lean into because I don't know. Shit gets crazy in the comics. And like, I'm ready for like that kind of stuff to start happening in the movies. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of sequels, coming to America. Okay. How are you feeling? Did you watch it? it? Didn't want it. I watched it. Okay. I didn't finish it. Oh, okay. And I I think I always finish a movie. I don't plan on finishing that movie. I watched the... F- I did not finish the first one <laughs> rewatching because I okay. saw the thing that was coming out and I was like, oh, I'll rewatch this. I think I haven't seen this since it was on TBS when I was 12. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, I just... Yeah, yeah. I know some of the jokes I know. And when I watched it, I was like, this is such a cool acting challenge mm-hmm. like all of these people are killing these characters yeah i am not invested in any of them no. and i hate a lot of what they're saying <laughs> like, like and so it's like i turned it off because i just like wasn't invested in the story and i'm like and it's very late 80s early 90s yeah. like it's very that but i mean the the there is things that are funny and the way that they i mean eddie murphy and what's the other man's name Oh, Arsenio Hall. Yeah. The way that they tackle all of those characters, it's yeah, very cool. Yeah. I just don't care about the story. But I was honestly probably going to watch the second one, but you're saying don't? I, I mean, I say watch it for your own just like pop culture knowledge. That Why you did know you stop? That this sequel... Because I just wasn't... Probably the same reason as you. I just wasn't invested. Like okay. it was up to a certain point where the whole storyline behind the second one is... Um, Eddie Murphy, Prince Akeem turns into King Akeem and has three daughters, but because it's royalty and patriarchy, like none of them are a son. So like he goes to find his son. He has a son, a illegitimate son in New York from in New York York. from his time there. (laughs) The mom of the son is great. Like the only probably like great part of this movie, Leslie Jones is like the mom. Oh, cool. Um, and she just is like. 
fish out of water because then what is different about this one is it takes place in Zamunda like in Africa versus in New York cool. which is like great that was a that great world that they created was fun yeah um, so it's very fish out of water for her because it's like this black woman from Queens like in Africa being like oh shit and it's like that's funny and like also not a super uh, problematic way Yeah. but everything else about the movie feels super like just one of those Hollywood cash grab like yeah. threw every idea at it doesn't really add up doesn't really make sense and by the time I got to the point where I stopped I was just like I don't fucking care if this kid becomes the new prince or yeah. not like Eddie Murphy has three daughters right there. I don't even know why this is, like, the point of the film. It sounds to me (laughs) like another Amazon original. Yeah. Like, the way that they were trying to, like, correct the misogyny of the first Borat with, like, this critique of misogyny in the second one. I'm hearing something kind of similar. Of, like, let's centralize a, a woman's story because women in the first one were just literal objects of either servitude and or that's sex. what bothers me in this one is that all those women for the fir- from the first one like his love interest um i think the mom who the woman who played his mom i think she passed away because she wasn't mm-hmm. in this one um what's her name uh gabriel garcel some yeah that woman i feel bad for not remembering her name right now but she was on jamie fox show um she's in it but they like underutilized her like all the women from the original that show back up are there for like two seconds, barely talk. And it's like, why is this so heavily focused on Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and then this new like actor who's playing the son? Mm. And then the daughters are sidelined. I have, I didn't even mean to go on this tangent for so long. I have a feeling that it ends with like some come to Jesus moment where like, oh, the daughters can run the country and like the oldest daughter, like who's like putting up. I don't know. She's like, she's in a huff the whole movie, which I don't like. Yeah, maybe there's a lesson that we didn't learn because we didn't finish it. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm also just like, but the fact that I'm like more than halfway through this movie and like the daughters still aren't like the focus and it's still on the sun is enough for me to be like, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Like I've seen this movie before. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't necessarily recommend it, but I also like, I don't know. Black films should be allowed to be mediocre and they don't always have to be like a hit. So I think this is one of those things where I'm like, Oh, I read a headline that was literally this. Sometimes sequel exists. Sequels exist just for, because a brand or a franchise knows that they can just make a sequel. And that's what this feels like. And, you know, it also makes money for the original, too. So it's like making money twice. Right. Yeah, I saw on VH1. Whatever distribution rights are for the other one. Though. Yeah, after watching Drag Race on Friday, I saw that, like, all day Saturday, it's like an Eddie Murphy-thon, starting with, like, Coming to America, the original. And I was like, all right, I see this ecosystem of Eddie yeah. Murphy making money. Or not even Eddie Murphy, but these, like, companies making money off of his original movie. Yeah. Um, that's my take. I Good. I feel like you saved me two hours. I did, um, yeah. <laughs> Pose is ending. They announced it. And, you know, I find it sad. And I said this before. I love when a show knows Mm -hmm. its story and knows it's done, especially um, in an American context where that's so rare. Um, Does it make me sad that these folks won't be on TV in the same way? Yes. But I also think it's hard to... Oh, my God. Sorry. Try and create, like, a drama you follow for so long over an era that wasn't that long. Yeah. And I just, I'm excited for other opportunities for trans folks on TV and television that is not necessarily like inherent about their transness or tragedy, mm-hmm. which is not to like offer a, a deep critique of Pose. I love it. I, I celebrate it. I just also think a lot of trans people are like, 
I mean, I feel like most cis people love the show more than trans people, you know? Oh my god, I love that you said that because... Again, I hope my therapist... If my therapist listens, whatever. My therapist and I literally had a conversation last week about this, about Pose. She brought mm-hmm. it up on her own. and was just like, like, as we were ending the session, she was like, do you watch Pose like mm-hmm. on Netflix? And I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> like one of those just like, of, of course I mm-hmm. watch Pose. Um, and she like had just started watching it for the first time. So it was just like, I really like it. Like, I think it's really great. I'm really happy that these trans... Like, similar to what we're just saying, like these trans stars and just like individuals get the opportunity to like share this story and like it feels authentic and it isn't whitewashed and I was like that's literally the reason why like we love it as well but it's just funny because it was very much so like a yeah I watch Pose but she was just sort of like gushing over it and it's like girl I mean I've gushed over it I I, like (laughs) Angelica Ross and Dominique Jackson and India Moore like and uh these other women that I'm forgetting their names because I'm an idiot but uh I lo- my thing is I'm worried that some of them may not make it to the next thing. Oh yeah, thing. absolutely. And that's what makes me sad because I want to see all of them everywhere. Yeah. Like I mean to, I mean I'm even surprised that like I haven't seen more of them elsewhere already. Already. Like yeah. with the success of Pose and sort of after season 2. Yeah. So I mean I agree. I think that I do get a bit worried that like once this is over like how else are these people going to be utilized? And will it be for just, again, more, like, HIV AIDS stories? Um, or, like, uh, American Horror Story. Okay. Or, like, American Horror Sucked Story. Sucked into that universe. Yeah. Which also touches on what I've talked about at length before. This has happened with Black people, where at a certain point, it's like, can like, we, there's more stories, there's more things. You don't have to cast us just because we're Black and you need to talk about, like, yeah. slavery. Or, yeah. like, one specific negative quote-unquote negative aspect of like the black experience it's like yeah. we we do other things too we're like normal people like y'all sometimes yeah. most times yeah so i agree i would love to see like it doesn't we don't always need a story that stars trans actors or actresses um that are like necessarily specific to like this negative experience again quote-unquote the trans right. people have right um yeah, I mean, I am very excited to see how they end the story, though. And I I love it when a show goes out on top. I think it's a really strong move. Um, Alan V. Farrow, I just want to throw it out. Like, let's talk it's about it next list. week. Yeah, I, I keep um, seeing it pop up on HBO Max. I'm like, I need to watch this. I want to watch this, but yeah. um, I haven't. It's, it's deeply fascinating just because they're famous people. And then you get this kind of like... It's horrific. Yeah. But there are also things about Mia Farrow that just like... I said I'll wait and then I started talking. Just watch it. Um, okay. Something that I watched this morning, though, and I'm going to try and keep this super brief because I am deeply passionate about it and worked the fuck up about it, but is the it's called Persona, The Dark Truth About Behind Personality Tests, and it's essentially this documentary in the ways in which the Myers-Briggs test and the Big Five are being utilized by corporations to enact ableism. So, like... These tests don't say that they do this, but they essentially can tell if you have mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so then, like, don't hire based on whatever. And then it follows this very sad story of this one man who, like, could not get hired anywhere because of, like, what was being picked up as red in his personality test. Um, But also the racism behind them, how they're, like, uh, it's based on um, this... Myers-Briggs are not two men. It's actually like a a group of women that created Myers-Briggs. But um, it just, for me, it's like, 
a, a quote that comes out is the predictions are being used of who is worthy and unworthy of work. Yeah. And there's a specific designation to and design to distract you to filter people out. It's an hour and a half. I think it's just like, it's so interesting. If you care. Like, what? Are these like the tests? Okay. I, it's the test that you could take at Target. That's okay. Like, that's what I was gonna say. The ones that like Best Buy or Target, and they yes. like run you through all these scenarios yes. and all that. And then it also talks about like um, this future where there's gonna be like video cameras that are then analyzing face and voice no. while answering these type. I mean, you say no, but it's happening. And like Congress, people are going to Congress to be like, there needs to be some regulation on this because it is a way that workplace discrimination is being justified by science and it's like not science no it's not it is a tool that is can be used in these ways but it also is not an imperfect tool someone designed these tools and often white people design these tools and they service and benefit whiteness it just is so i never got any of those jobs i applied to at target or best buy i mean same they're like you are gay and mentally ill. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, they were like, you are black and Mm -hmm. gay and mentally ill. You can't, we can't have all three of those things. No. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. I, okay. Oh, what? I want to shout out Raya and the last dragon on Disney plus. Okay. Cute. Because I did not, I knew this movie was coming out. I did not understand. Not even, not, not even that. I knew this movie was coming out. I did not care. I was just like, I do not understand why this is such a big deal. It is just like a normal Disney animation film. Yeah. And then educating myself a bit more on like the sort of um, it being centered around like an Asian character. It's sort of being made and cast with a predominantly like Asian cast. I think the only white person is like Peter Tudyk. Peter, is that his name? Alan Tudyk. Alan? One of those two names. I don't know what you're talking He's about. a white man and he voices like an animal, like an animal that just grunts and stuff. So I was like, okay, great. Um, Kelly Marie Tran, who played Star Wars. And she was in Star Wars. Uh-huh. I don't remember what her character's name was. Um, but she was in Star Wars, got a bunch of flack from like straight white people, yeah, yeah, yeah. white guys about um, being Asian and in Star Wars, as if that's even an issue. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to see that she's voicing like a main Disney princess. Um, who is Asian and like, I don't know. It's just funny when you get a clap back like that, where yeah. it's like, ha ha ha, I'm still out here doing this. And then the dragon is voiced by Aquafina, who I know some people have yeah. issues with. I think she did a good job with the film. Um, and is was, she doing her black scent or is it like a little? No, less? she's doing Aquafina voice, which okay. like, yeah, she's not doing any of that. I think Aquafina has definitely leaned away from that black voice rapping thing. Cause that's how she first sort of came into recognition was by being like a rapper and now yeah. she is very much so leaned into being like a Hollywood star. That's good. Um, good for I her. mean she was a good actress in that um, what was that movie about going to see her grandma? The, the last farewell. goodbye? The final farewell? The farewell. The fa- it was just the farewell. I think so. Okay. It was great. Um, I recommend seeing it. It is premiere access so it is a $30 film. Um, but I paid I just paid the thirty dollars because I was interested enough in watching it and it like looks gorgeous. Like it's a gorgeous looking film. And and it made me cry last night. That's it has a really good storyline and theme around like trust and like vulnerability, which I think was interesting to see in like a Disney film. Cause it like I feel like Disney films always cover some sort of a theme. I haven't seen them cover like why trust is so important important and sort of what it means to like be vulnerable and be open to other people um i love that what you just said we're gonna wrap this up soon but what i just 
thought about was I paid to see Minari, um, which is about uh, an Asian American family of, so like an immigrant family. And then they are trying to work and farm and just like the stuff that comes with it. It was really nominated. It had some drama around it because people were putting it in the foreign language category because it's like half in Korean, mm-hmm. but it is in a, it takes place in America about Americans. It is a very American story, mm-hmm. but it got placed in foreign films because it's half in Korean. Yeah. But it, Maybe- in actuality, Inglorious Bastards had more, German in it than this has Korean in it mm-hmm. and that doesn't get categorized as a foreign film so anyway that's... I think it's also about the odds of the film winning in that category so sometimes like I feel like they whoever put it in that category may have also thought it has a better chance of winning in this category than it would for like best film in and America. that may or may not be true but it's still racist but I also don't understand why it couldn't just be in both right um, <laughs> it's a it is a beautiful gorgeous I was just I was hesitant about paying for a movie you know like in the world of streaming why would you pay when things are free and i highly highly suggest if you have the opportunity to pay for minari watch it it's very good um well actually maybe wait until next week if you're gonna do it because it's i think it's on prime and amazon is currently in the middle of a strike so you know if you hadn't heard about this until this episode the strike is going from march 7th to march 13th today it's in solidarity with union organizers to support amazon workers and let the company know that we do not approve of their union busting tactics a one-week boycott of the company has been planned um Ooh. so don't use amazon amazon prime or stream videos also whole foods is amazon too i am so. really happy you told me that today because i just used amazon yesterday to buy something yeah. that i like really needed yeah. um it's hard to break from and i think obviously if you are unable to not because of essential services no one's telling you to not survive this week um but you know target fred meyer all these other places also have like pick up on the outside if you are not able to go inside somewhere and it's still like relatively quick but yeah let's stand in solidarity with the union workers done Um, and done do you want to take a break yeah i feel like i've been talking a mile a minute this is coffee And we are back. Um, And for the work today, thank you to Maddie and Amanda for suggesting this, some of our devoted listeners, um, to talk about how do you tell the difference between anxiety and intuition? And Mm, mm, mm. that constant war that comes up, Mm. especially when you have a, a, a very colloquial saying and an advice all the time that's like, trust your gut. Mm, mm, mm. And it's like, well, I... I'm an anxious depressive, so trusting my gut may not be the most accurate thing. Um, My gut tells me a lot of things. So it's like, (laughs) let's talk about that tension. Let's talk about separating them. And let's talk about uh, working out the muscle of intuition. How does that feel? My intuition is telling me it feels right. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Um, So uh, do you want to start with definitions first? Does that feel like a good... I think, yeah, I think it's always okay. nice to have the listeners know what both of those things are, and, and we can compare, then we can compare them. And obviously with these definition stuff, I think talking about them at the beginning is not necessarily to say what these things are. It is to say, this is how we are talking about them. And right? also how we experience them. Right. Which it, might not be the way that you experience them. Right. So 
my understanding of anxiety is that it's this like apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness. Um, it's like an over impending and anticipated will it's future oriented for me. It can like feel repetitive, obsessive. It mm-hmm. feels inescapable. It manifests as like tension in the body and can be like intrusive, negative thinking. It's kind of like that future worst case scenario. Um, I think that anxi- anxiety evolves from fear and is more often than not a reaction to a perceived threat in this kind of exaggerated way to, you know, try and keep us from harm. But at the end of the day is a maladaptive emotional response to do the thing that is actually good, which is to keep us from harm. Right. Right. I was going to say it feels very, uh, it's this for me based off of that definition, it is this impending feeling, which I think that um, the impending for me is like, no matter what, or like this uncontrollable, something bad is going to happen specifically to me. Yeah. Um, or someone I love or things I own. Or things I own, but something that like is for like me or that I can sort of stake ownership over. Um, just like something bad is gonna happen. It's yeah. not a, what I have found interesting about anxiety is it is a negative. Like I don't have positive anxiety, you know? Yeah. Um, it's definitely a, something bad is gonna happen. Like yeah. something not good. Where we can talk about intuition in a second. I feel like intuition can cover a multitude of things. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that like, you know, when you've lived with anxiety for your whole life, it's hard to honestly recognize it as fully negative mm-hmm. because of the ways it helps you problem solve at times. Like, sometimes my anxiety can, like, help me prepare for the what the worst thing that can happen so that I can, like, mentally enter a situation that, like, if the worst thing doesn't happen, then great. I'm having a better time than I thought I would, ah. right? But then, But then that is inherently negative because I've spent my time sort of living in this negative experience that never happened never happened and if i had just been present and like whatever then like the anxiety did not help me avoid a situation it just made me worry about something that wasn't real see and my anxiety manifests as major like avoidance of like anything Mm -hmm. that is going to keep that anxiety going or sort of that uh the predicting like i predict that like i am anxious right now and i don't Mm want to enter this situation that i feel is making me more anxious so therefore i'm just not going to do any of it right um so for me like that's the behavior after the feeling of after the feeling of Uh it correct um and that's like an anxiety provoked behavior which for Uh me like i think the first memory i have well not first memory one of the things that I used to have major anxiety around that I was avoiding about that I always thought something bad was going to happen was my finances. Like Uh I had major anxiety around my finances literally in the sense of I don't want to check my bank account because I am predicting that there is no money there and therefore I don't know how to pay the bills and therefore I just want to avoid all of that. that My anxiety about finances manifesting that I need an email every morning to tell me exactly how much is in my bank. Ah, see. (laughs) We're two different people. I love this. Um, Yeah, and mine is just like, I would literally go weeks. Like, I think there was a time in my life where I just like for months was just like, I haven't looked at my bank account at all because like it makes me anxious to think about like any of that. (laughs) There's a part of me that like, I recognize that you're saying that as a negative thing. I'm like, I fucking wish, bitch. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Meanwhile, um, I'm like, I wish my anxiety like had me sort of obsessively. The obsessive thing is interesting because I think that like I obsessively am thinking about it and therefore am avoiding it. Whereas you're maybe obsessively thinking about it. So you're like compulsively doing it. Um, a way 
anxiety avoidance manifest in my life and I've talked about this before so I'm not going to go into detail is the way I like avoided applying to grad school for so long mm-hmm. like that was anxiety avoidance I think with finances though my avoidance is more around depression ah. <laughs> so like I will avoid looking or caring about the bill and just like swipe 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 or and now <laughs> cart 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 yeah, because yeah, I'm yeah. like I'm like you know I'm so good with money I'm gonna like just like not think about it for a minute (laughs) and then I like when I think about it I'm like you stupid bitch um but yeah so I think what we're trying to say is that like like both anxiety and intuition which we're going to talk about in just a second anxiety does have bodily symptoms not Mm -hmm. just mental ones and behavioral ones but there's like sweating there's uh, shaking there's jaw clenching and to me when I think of anxiety yes when I think about anxiety yes it's like tension like mm-hmm, even when I'm relaxed, I'm not relaxed. Yeah, and um, and that was one of the things that I told you today when you walked in. I was like, I don't even know what I'm anxious about. I can just feel in my body, my brain is going ga 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 ga, and then in my body, I'm like, my shoulders hurt. Yeah, and I haven't done anything today, so that should not happen. <laughs> and I think that's interesting too. A like shower helped. It's like overwhelming for me. It's overwhelming, anyways. It's also an overwhelming feeling of like to the point of. I mean, we've. I think we've all heard of like an anxiety attack, but yeah. like to the point where I'm breathing, like I'm hyperventilating. I'm like my thoughts are getting so obsessive about this one thing that like my body feels like it is like there is a threat like in front of me right now, yeah. and I can't run because like where am I going to run right like it's because it's a feeling because it's a thought there's no actual physical thing in front of me and it feels like the present but it's actually about the future it's actually about the future yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so let's flip let's flip it intuition instead mm-hmm. um some things that I gathered from articles this week are quick and ready insight immediate apprehension or cognition so it doesn't necessarily have to be positive but it's about this like sort of immediate truth that you're holding in your body and it's the power or faculty of attaining to direct knowledge or cognition without evident rational thought so it's like i don't have to sort of justify it i don't have to offer pros and cons it's just like i know this right Mm -hmm. it's this instant understanding of something without needing the conscious mind to rationalize it Mm -hmm. it can also live in our body right like it can be a feeling of peace and i think that that to me is the difference is that like intuition does not feel manic like Mm -hmm. like intuition does not feel um when we're talking about like suicidality there's this like measurement called agitation which is like what is which isn't the same thing as like being frustrated or what aggravated agitation is this um feeling of emotional urgency i have to do something to fix whatever i'm feeling i have i'm feeling a need to do something i'm feeling a need to create a list of 92 things to do and cross off 12 of them because I'm like emotionally avoiding something else or whatever. Yeah, you know, it can yeah, show up yeah, in a lot of different yeah. ways. But like anxiety to me is rooted in agitation. Whereas like intuition, I can sit and take a deep breath and still know that that is true. Yes. Whereas like anxiety is going to take more. Anxiety feels more like a conversation. Whereas, like, intuition is like Mufasa in the sky. It just is, you know? <laughs> Mufasa in the sky. I love it, though. Um, yeah, I was going to say, for me, it's like in- anxiety is this uh, a conversation I have back and forth. Anxiety, for me, is something that I can pinpoint. Like, it is something that, to that, like, rationalizing point of what intuition isn't. It's like, if I were to sit with 
my anxiety, I can sort of pick it apart and get down to like what the thing is that's causing me anxiety. Whereas I feel like intuition feels a bit more ethereal, feels a bit more like this just don't like this either like this don't feel right, like in this moment, not because I'm trying to avoid a threat or because I think something bad is going to happen if I do this thing. It is literally just that don't feel right for me. So I'm not going to do it. And it's not because like, I don't know, like it's not because I'm avoiding this thing that's a threat. It's that like the energy for me, it really does come down to like the energy around that is not something that aligns with my energy or spirit or just sort of like what my values are maybe yes um yes and it like i said earlier it's also this thing where it's not always negative sometimes the answer is like that does feel right that feels like what i want to be doing so it's I'm an affirmation yeah of your choices yeah it's an affirmation a validation of how you're feeling in that moment um that's coming like completely from you internally owned which is also i think something that's a little bit different from anxiety because for me usually if i try to pinpoint what the thing that's causing me anxiety is it is externally uh is it related to something happening externally outside yeah. of my body outside of me usually um that which we it, don't have control over which right. is scary intuition for me feels less about like an external force acting on me. Mm. It's it is very much so more just like when I'm just sitting there like yeah. Like intuition can come up for me in terms of making decisions, yes, but also like just day to day. Like yeah. mm, now I don't feel like the right time to go to the grocery store. Yeah. For some reason it just I don't want to right now. Yeah. Or like I feel like I need to go do this now. Yeah. Like the, I feel like sometimes me walking blue is just like I should go do this now. I don't know why, but I like, I feel like I need to go do this now. Um, I get that. I think for me, the, the like big sparks in my brain that you were talking while you were talking is around this like spiritual aspect of intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, hmm, how do I say this without, I'll unpack what I mean by that in a different way, I think later, but to me, it's like that alignment Mm -hmm. of purpose and direction yes and like to me intuition is about alignment whereas anxiety is about being pulled in different directions yes yes, yes. and like there's something about intuition that's like divine and an eight and the problem that we have in our current state of having to have conversations about what is the difference between intuition and what i kind of feel is like the mr hyde to dr jekyll anxiety you know like or if Anxiety is this sort of masculine, aggressive. Intuition is this more feminine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, like the divine intuition. feminine. It's like a, a mother's intuition. Like right. it does always, always uh, sort of get correlated with this feminine energy, which I'm not against. I that's one of the reasons why I love tapping into intuition as right. as a cisgender like man. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that I, you know, when I'm saying masculine, feminine, I'm not necessarily like talking about gender it's like these more like spiritual poles i think but like there's also in this society a shaming of intuition and like a shaming of this quote women's intuition rooted in misogyny because it's like it's this false idea that intuition is motivated by feelings yeah and i just don't think that's true i think intuition is motivated by truth i think that a lot of times that which has been called women's intuition and been shamed and discarded is actually manifestations of anxiety that manifest as like bickering or manifest as like Mm -hmm. trying to control something so much you know like anyway i just wanted to name that like there is this like notion of intuition that is misogynistic but i am i think we're trying to subvert that and talk differently about it but you 
this story just it literally popped into my mind. It's so funny how you can talk about a topic and something that you literally don't even remember having happen will just like occur. Uh, this wasn't traumatizing or anything. It's actually a fun story. That's good. But um, I'm realizing that one of my first like interactions with intuition that I didn't because again I will bring up this whole aspect of like the feminine and masculine because I do think that me growing up as a boy and like as one day going to be a man to your point it was very like you need to believe in facts and like details and these things like it's not about how you feel and actually you shouldn't even be thinking about how you feel like your feelings are irrelevant as a man like that's what they right they (laughs) parents try to teach you the larger society and it's funny because when i was my first boyfriend in high school he was in college um i had a feeling that he was like seeing other people or cheating for lack of a better word but i couldn't put my finger on why there was no actual there was no evidence there was no anything to like say that that's what he was doing and my best friend at the time rochelle her mom knew that i was gay um and like i loved her and her mom and just like going over there when i had had it with my parents so her mom just told me out of the blue she was just like does it feel like he's cheating and i was like yeah and she was like so he's cheating and I was just like, what? And she was like, trust your intuition here, baby. Yeah. Like, and that, and she literally just broke it down for me. Like, always trust your intuition yeah. and like things like this. If you feel like he's cheating, I guarantee you he is. And lo and behold, like it took like another month or so, but it was just like, oh shit, he was like, and it wasn't even something that I had to go like chase down. It literally just like sort of happened while we were together. Yeah. Like something popped up, but it was just, again, one of those first times I had learned, oh, sometimes that feeling I should trust. And it wasn't even, to your point, it wasn't even like a nagging, like this is bothering the fuck out of me. It was more of like a, huh, I think he's doing this thing. <laughs> I, I'm i obsessed with that. And in this article by Jessica Booth, um, she quotes this empowerment coach, Elizabeth Kipps, who says that fear is an emotion that causes us to want to run away, hide, not face. You were talking about uh, avoidance. Um, these like out oncoming negative things whereas intuition is about heeding the possible dangers but having the strength resilience and wherewithal to focus our actions and attitude to face the negative thing that's in front of us right and so like there was something negative in front of you but your intuition was letting you know so that you could face that in a way with some thought Mm -hmm. with some like protection but not in the like kind of uh i don't know it's about an orientation of attitude to face something right yes. yeah. um and i think that the deep deep trouble we get into around this kind of warring of what is intuition and what is anxiety the only reason we're having these conversations about that is because oftentimes they're telling us different things yes and like i believe this is my belief personally that because of the ways in which we have like placed human value in productivity and like we have stripped ourselves in some ways of being in touch with our intuition because our intuition tells us that working 40 hours a week is harmful to us because our intuition tells us that like being socially connected to everyone in the entire world is not the best thing for us because our intuition tells us that like taking a mental health day is actually helpful but then we have anxiety around like being good at our job or like being seen as employable or like all these things. And these things are at war with one another. And if we do that from childhood, I think school is often a place where we are trained to suppress our intuition and go along with the rules or to get A's or whatever. 
we have grown up in a society that constantly tells us to not trust our intuition. And so when it pops up, it becomes this like weird thing of like, wait, what was that? What was that whisper in my mind? You know, like, and if we then experience trauma on top of that, our body is going to have a lot more red flags of to what's quote dangerous. And that is going to wrap us up tighter into anxiety. Yes. Um, It's going to get this bigger grip on us than... Anxiety just makes you more anxious. I know it sounds like a very simple thing that you're probably like, what? But it's like, if you were anxious about something, you're only going to get more anxious about it. Yeah. If you if you lean into the anxiety, right? Like if you are anxious about something, so you lean into that anxiety and that fear, it creates a cycle where that anxiety is feeding itself over and over and over and over again. Yep. Um, Which then makes it a lot more difficult for you to like enact a new behavior or to try something new because it's like, then then what the fear is doing for you is like, you think you're protecting yourself by not trying something new. And then if you try something new, you have anxiety because you're not doing the thing that your body has learned that it's supposed to be doing, if right. that makes sense. Right. I bring this up because this is something that like I also deal with in therapy all the time. Trusting my like getting to a place where I am trusting my instincts and trusting my gut and trusting my intuition. And like whether that's closing my laptop at seven because like my body is telling me it has had enough and maybe you should stop, or whatever it is, has been difficult because there is so much anxiety around trusting my intuition because the the stories the sort of experience i've gotten in life has been do not trust your intuition right um and that's especially true for queer people when we fucking feel and know what's going on in the world yeah and the world is saying that that's not true you should hate whatever that thing is that causes that separation of self from intuition yeah i think that anyway sorry i just well yeah i mean we could (laughs) This is such a broad topic that it touches every single area of your life because you can have intuition about anything. Like, you can have intuition about your career. You can have an intuition about a relationship, whether that's family or romantic. You can have an intuition about, like I said, just your day-to-day. Like, it can literally be... Maybe I, I just, like, today doesn't feel like the day I need to be out in the world. Like, and who's to say what that's gonna, like, protect you from or whether that yeah. was, like, good or not? But I the other thing about intuition is I think that when you are trusting your intuition, what I have learned, and again, this is just me, 99.9% of the time, my intuition is leading me to a much better place yes. of growth, of development, yep. of positivity than anxiety is. Right. Anxiety is only leaving, leading me to self-sabotage, to like avoidance, to yep. more fear. Like I think that that is also a clear distinction between the two of these that I've run into my life. Yep. And though it is scary and I am afraid of trusting my intuition, yep. if I really go back if I look at my journals, if I go back and recount every time I've actually just trusted my gut and my intuition, it actually has never like led me wrong. Yeah. This article um, called Intuition versus Anxiety, What Is Your Gut Telling You? says that intuition is telling you what you need to do and it's completely against what you think you should be doing. The should voices, mm. shout out to our last mm-hmm, shoulda, mm-hmm. coulda, woulda episode. Um, the should voices come from an anxious parts of your identity, the people pleaser, the overachiever, your tendency to avoid conflict and change. And then when your intuition tells you things that contradict these other quote should there voices, that's where that trouble comes. Um, and I think that one way we'll talk about a few ways now is like, okay, you've been talking for 20 minutes about what anxiety is and what is intuition. I tuned in to hear how to get like more in tune with that. 
for me, and this is like also science proves this as well, especially the traumatic brain and like, um, there's a book actually, uh, called the healing power of the vagus nerve by Stanley Rosenberg. And it comes from the vagus nerve. It comes from the, like the, the theory of trauma about the vagal nerve, but, um, not going to get into, we'll get into trauma specifically, but just recognize that anxiety is potentially a trauma response. So getting in touch with yourself, both in your history and recognizing, like keeping a journal of like, when have you trusted intuition and it led you down a, a, a good path? Mm-hmm. When did you not? And you are like, I should have listened to that voice. Um, and think about the times that you experienced pleasure. Was there something that led you to that pleasure? You know what I mean? And was it anxiety led or was it more of a peaceful knowing kind of thing? Mm. But also within getting in touch with yourself and getting in touch with your past so that you can have a better present is really getting in touch with your body. And there's um, an example of this, I think, is like when I was talking about going to the chiropractor and I like cried <laughs> that first time. Oh, yeah. when she mm-hmm. Like to me our body can sometimes like just hold these things onto us and then it holds us captive. And when our body experiences that release, so does our spirit. Mm-hmm. And like, um, there's another, uh, type of intervention called, Oh, cranial sacral therapy. Um, which it is a, a mixture of kind of like massage and like pushing, pushing on pressure points to, um, relieve, but essentially when I think about getting in touch with our body, mindfulness and deep breathing yes. is a way to slow down those obsessive thoughts and really get in touch with like, what am I telling me to do? Mm-hmm. Not the g g g g g g g g right? Yeah. Um, because I think, I think anxiety pushes us more and more and more and more and more into our head. Mm. And we think listening to our body is paying attention to these negative shakes, sweats, avoidance whatever when in reality when we're talking about trusting our gut we're talking about getting back to that like primordial ooze instinct that like is not as influenced by social cues right it's about self-preservation of body and spirit and so if we get more practice in slowing down our thoughts and feeling our bodies counting our toes counting our fingers like that kind of grounding technique stuff that we have from a few episodes ago like we're going to be able to tell the difference because um we're less inclined to do that kind of trauma response of of flight or fight right 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 which for me feels like you know anxiety being that it feels like anxiety feels like a push like like an actual like it's an it's an intense sort of like push where i feel like intuition is an opportunity like an opportunity a softer nudge it always i if there was if there is one sort of adjective or two adjectives or sort of distinctions i could make is like (laughs) anxiety feels hard and like rigid and just like ouch (laughs) and then intuition feels soft Mm. Soft is like the best way for me to deal with it, for me to like talk about intuition because right. it is never this like thing that feels like it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. It's always like this if I just calm down, if I do the breathing techniques, if I sort of just like sit with myself 
and listen to that softness that's usually the thing that I need to be doing versus yeah. the thing that's screaming at me like on the other side which is society usually yeah. saying like I should be doing this you need to be doing this this is like what the last 30 years of your life have been so yeah. why not keep doing it this way um, whereas intuition is just like hey you know you could try this that feels yeah. a little bit more right yeah and I think <laughs> even for folks who maybe don't experience anxiety in the ways that we're talking about but are having trouble with identity or trying to make uh, decisions and not knowing which way to go. So maybe you're not having this war between anxiety and intuition, but you just aren't in touch with your intuition. Mm -hmm. You have trouble making decisions because you don't know. I mean, maybe you don't know who you are, you know? And like, uh, and that is what I mean by there's like something divine about it is that like it's in alignment with purpose. And if we allow ourselves to unpack intuition and get in touch with this internal compass, we can have a deeper sense of trust in our choices, which is just like, how wonderful would that be? You know what I mean? Right. Like I want to be able to make a choice and not like triple second guess it. Um, something from this article written in Holisticism, they offer this kind of like intuition workout plan because pretty much all the research is showing that like intuition is in some ways a muscle that you have to work out because of the ways in which society strips us of our trusting of it. Mm -hmm. We have to actually work to get back to that point. Even people who are naturally sort of like intuitive and trust those things more, um, maybe bordering on clairvoyant, if that's something that you believe in. But like, if that's true, they still have to do the working out of it to figure out like, how to even respond to it if they're just getting that tickle, right? Mm. But this intuition workout plan, the first thing that they suggest is parsing out what you really believe in versus what society tells you to think. So like really sitting with, do I think that or do I just think that because I'm supposed to think that? It's that should dis discernment thing that's coming into place. Getting to know yourself, become a self-anthropologist, study your actions and responses. This is the most important without judgment just noticing what you do and when. And then as well as watching your mind, so bringing in that mindfulness, and then tracking your choices. That's what I was saying earlier about um, creating a list um, of like, um, when you notice impulses, are your shoulders tight or open? Are you breathing deeply? Are you smiling? Just becoming more aware of these things because this awareness between anxiety and intuition is not going to happen overnight. No. It's something that is going to take practice and maybe that's getting a year of data. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just getting a year of data to like figure out. Um, and then once you do that data and you're able to study that data and sit with your choices and think about how your body was feeling, you're ideally going to start memorizing the feeling of knowing. So getting, you won't have to constantly be thinking, is this this or this? You'll have done so much practice and knowing of when that leads you to pleasure or when that leads you to growth or when that leads you to good things, that your body will memorize that and you will memorize that and you can let the anxiety fall away as mm. like mm -hmm. a rude, rude-ass attack on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love these. I think that, well, we'll talk about it in the homework. Y'all can have some, since I gave y'all like a, uh, you know, a very light homework assignment last week. Y'all better get ready for some real work this week. Um, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hope they didn't cause any anxiety. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. I think that we have done a good job around, uh, kind of 
broadly talking about these things and parsing them apart. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I found so many wonderful readings today. I spent like almost two hours just kind of reading through these things and I felt so attached to them. Yeah. So check in with the recs and resources. There's like eight articles that we were referencing. I was able to give credit some of the you places, know what's but wild not everywhere. Is but... that I, <laughs> one of these articles, I like, like straight up didn't open until right now while you were talking. And uh, it's the one that is uh, eight important differences between intuition and anxiety. Okay. Um, By Jessica Booth. Yes. And hmm. I had not read this. And then as you were talking, I was going through it and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I talked about all these things without even, <laughs> yes. without even reading this article. Yes. Which yes. lets me know that I think I do know the difference between intuition and right. anxiety. Right. But again, to your point, it has taken a very long time for me. And I still don't trust it half the time. Yeah. Right? Like, it's still something that I'm very much so talking to my therapist about where I'm like, I mean, I did the thing I wanted to do and that felt right, but like, I'm still really stressed out about it. And honestly, <laughs> you saying that is an exact example of how I'm like not able to do that because mm-hmm. like, my when I'm reading these things, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but instead, I needed that. My anxiety told me that to be able to talk about it, I had to do research. Ah. I had to have the facts. I had to have mm. the sort of like backup to what I felt intuitively. Like I only am able to trust what I know when there's other validation of that trust Ooh, of that girl. knowledge, right? Girl. And like so, that's work that I have to do. Yeah, is getting more in line with the memorization of what knowing feels like that phrase to me it just like gives me chills i love it Mm, mm, um mm. okay let's take a quick break and then we'll take our meds love it it's time to take some meds why is jolene so long she's a long girl a long low one she's long and low long and low um she honestly um unfortunately had a uti last week honestly it's fine but she got meds and it was making her gassy so this past week it hasn't been smelly but she has been farting and literally like running yeah. in the opposite direction like blue yes. the dogs are just like so surprised by their own farts but like poor baby it's not like once a day it's been like happening <laughs> and so she just like she'll be downstairs um with spencer and then we'll fart and run up to me upstairs and then like we'll lay down for an hour and then fart and run downstairs oh and just, like, going back and <laughs> forth terrified of her own but her. yeah somebody's after that booty girl yeah um what I are your relate. meds this week I <laughs> um uh, physical exercise i um i don't want to jinx these sunny days i think i said this when we first started the podcast last year but it's doing that thing in portland where like it's yeah. sunny and i know it's just a tease like it's gonna be miserable again for like a month before the sun comes back out but i'm trying to like latch onto the sunny days that we do have and just like be in the moment with them and part of that has been me waking up to like the sun being out and yeah. me being like i want to get outside and like do something um so I've started like stretching again and like running, which has been nice. Because uh, I I always say that I hibernate between like December and like February, mm-hmm. um, and I've sort of been waiting for the thing to kick in that makes me want to start working out. Um, and, and it's, it's happened. Sun. It's the sun. It's definitely the sun. I've I've always noticed that. I've always known that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's always a good feeling. Like when I feel myself like wanting to be active versus yeah. like I'm forcing myself to do this because like I should probably like be more active. Yeah. And it happened this week. So good. I don't know. Speaking of intuition, I knew it was going to happen sometime <laughs> soon. And I instead of being stressed out about like, why have I not felt the urge to work out? You I just, just did it like, it it'll happened. happen. It'll happen when it happens. And it did work. Um, I my meds this week are that um, some friends are 
pregnant and the due date is very <gasps> soon. And congrats, friends. The um, friend group decided to socially distance celebrate them and the upcoming baby by having everyone kind of introduce themselves in and like as an auntie or uncle and like kind of give names and what they uh it was very silly like you know um what uh, you could teach them when they're older it was very um it was very much geared the everyone was addressing the child but like i hope the child never sees it like yeah like it's a offensive um but <laughs> we're also just like you know like we need to talk about this when you're 25 maybe. i was gonna say is the video gonna get shared when they're like of age age yeah like, I, I like for so. real of age not yeah. like 21 because that's right, still right. too young yeah when they're a full-ass <laughs> adult that prefrontal cortex is fused Fully like warm yeah. here you go um no the, so we had this auntie shower over zoom and it was very cute and um i it was nice to see that level of love and care when we're in a time that like those things feel rare to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a good time. Um, what's our homework? I told you, yeah, I got homework that for real this week. So, um, a four page paper on write a 10 page paper, oh, five pages on anxiety and five pages on intuition. And you just do when this episode that is giving out. Me anxiety literally by the end of day of when it. this episode drops. No, I'm joking. That's not the homework. Unless you want to do that for yourself. No, move on. <laughs> um, I do want to try to like pull out a sheet of paper, pull out them journals that we love so, so much. Um, here's what we're going to do because this is how we're going to start to decipher whether it's anxiety or whether it's intuition. If you already know how to do those things, congrats to you. Guess what? You can still practice it some more. So... You're going to pull out that journal. I want you to think on and then write down um, five choice points, a.k.a. like decisions, decisions that you've had to make over the last three months. They can be minor decisions. They can be major decisions. I'm going to leave that up to you. But I need five just like decisions that needed to be made or like points where you had to like make a decision. You had to make a choice on something. Um, And then after you've written those five things down, leave enough space under each one. Um, and I want you to answer a few questions about those those decisions. Um, were they present focused or were they future focused? So was it something that like was immediate, like you need to make a decision right then and there? Or was it something that it's just like, hey, this is a decision just like about the future. And like, maybe I just need to figure something out. Literally think on that how you want to. I'm not going to like break down what the two of those definitions mean because we've been talking about it the whole episode. Um, and then I want you to think about when you were in the midst of making that decision, not the outcome, we're not there yet, like in the midst of making that decision, was it like a calm, cool, collected decision? Or was it like you needed to make an answer, like give an answer now? Was it frantic? Did it feel pressure? Did it feel sort of like high stakes? Um, and after you've written down the answer to those two things, was it present focused? Was it future focused? Was there a sense of calm about the decision or was it like frantic and pressured? Um, after you've done that, now we're going to evaluate the outcome uh, of those decisions. So I want you to actually write down what was the outcome of those five decisions, right? Like this great thing happened to me. This other thing happened to me that I wasn't expecting. Uh, something terrible happened to me, whatever. Um, write down the, the actual outcome. And then I want to know, like, was that a positive experience or outcome or was it a negative outcome? Um, and again, that's your own personal thing. I can't tell you whether something was positive or negative. Um, and then... I want you to write down, how did you feel after you made the decision? Um, Again, I don't want to lead you down a road on that. So like you just write it down for yourself. How did you feel after that decision was made? And then how did you feel about the outcome of it? Um, And then last question. There's a lot of questions here. So I hope you guys are writing these down. Uh, What 
drove the decision overall. After you've like examined all these things, I want you to think real hard and write down what drove the decision. And a good way of thinking about this, if you just want to give it like one answer or like a one word answer is, was it pattern or was it truth? Um, and mm. I love that thing because I, my, my therapist taught it to me and it's been a world of help for me. But like, was it pattern? Was it truth? Mm. Another way to think about that is, was it something that felt like society was telling you to do or that felt like a should or did it feel like something you genuinely like wanted to do or felt right in your, for lack of a better word, in your spirit? Um, and I think that if you write all those things down, follow each one of those questions and steps, you'll get a better sense of was it intuition or was it um, anxiety? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to label like each decision like this was intuition, this one was anxiety. We're just doing this so that you have the knowledge about yourself so that you can use it for future decisions. And this is why I'm having you look at the last three months. Um, and you can continue to do this every week. You can do it every day. Um, you can do it every quarter. You can do it once a year. But I do agree with sort of what we've read in our recs and resources and sort of uh, the, the advice that we've given you, which is you have to sort of look at your history to understand how you're going about your decision making. Yeah. Yeah. Train that muscle. Yeah. And I know that was a lot. So if you need to like rewind to hear me like ask all those questions again, do it. I think it is a very valuable exercise so that you're also not running on autopilot when you are making decisions. Because a lot of times the anxiety hits us way after we've done all these things. And it's because we were just running on autopilot and weren't really sitting down and thinking with ourselves. Right. And you can also find the homework in our recs and resources. And we put it on our Instagram at QBT pod. You can yes. also follow us on Twitter at QBT pod. We have a really cool Spotify playlist that has been running since our rec- music recommendations, uh, I think since January. So mm-hmm. um, it's about, it's a good amount of music in there. Uh, it feels really fun. Check it out. Um, we'll fun. put we, the stuff that we talked about this week in there too. We dance to it. If you also, you know, when we talk about the music, if you're just like, don't want to go like hunt it down, that's it's all it sitting right there for you. Yep. Yeah. Um, especially if you are someone who hates the work of doing new music, there is a couple hours worth of content to go sift through. Um, and there may be um, a little Easter egg competition thing that is going to get plugged in a week or two. Oh, so yeah, uh, get just... familiar. Get familiar. Familiar with that playlist, girl, because you could win something soon. Yes. And this week's topic was a listener submitted topic. We listen, we love it. Um, email us at qbtpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a voicemail. You can. Leave a voicemail up to three minutes at 971-220-8874. Tell us what you're thinking about, what you're going through, what you want to hear us talk about. Um, big thanks to Carlos Valle and Kiana Marrero and Allie Kiltz and Marquis and Shanti Darling for all that they do Hi, for making podcast this podcast. Family. Little yeah. pod family. Um, we love you so much. Thanks for being here. Episode 44. We're coming up on a year. It feels crazy. A full year. And we've given you plenty of ways to interact with us. So don't be shy. Don't be shy. We're we love you. bite unless you like it. Yeah. Yeah. I will bite you if you want me to. We still need to do this fetish and phobias episode. Oh. I'm convinced. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>